so much. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm going to ask that we all read together, no matter what your translation may be. I might drop off, but if you would, I would ask that you would continue to read, even if I drop off. Ready? Starting at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to read, starting at verse 31. Ready, set, read. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Don't give offense to Jews or Gentiles or the church of God. I, too, try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what is best for me. I do what is best for others so that many may be saved. And everybody said amen. 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 I want to share this, quite, this, this notation real quickly. I would ask that everyone would hear, would think, would believe, and speak the word of God. Amen? The essence of our success, the essence of us walking out all of the promises of God, for us to not receive the grace of God in vain, for us to have fruit by the Holy Spirit and bear the fruit of the things that Jesus Christ has absolutely fulfilled and purchased through his own life and blood, we have this opportunity to hear, to think, Think the word of God. Don't think about our own opinions, but think and believe and speak the word of God. Is everybody with me? Yes. Praise God. The next passage of scripture that I'd like us to uh, read. Uh, I'm going to have to ask you to click it, please, if you will. It's Romans chapter 3. Would you turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 3? Romans chapter 3. If you have it, say amen. amen. If you don't have it, say wait a minute. Amen. We, we can wait on you. We want you to see it. Praise God. <laughs> Glory to God. I mean, it takes a little boldness to be able to do that, but this is a welcoming community. We are patient. Amen. All right. Romans chapter 3. We're going to start at verse 20 and read down to verse 23. Ready, set, read. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ, and this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. Come on, somebody ought to shout on that, right? Isn't that good? That was plain and clear. Verse 23, ready, said, read. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. This is the familiar text that in other translations of the English, it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And everybody said amen. amen. We've got one more passage to go, but before we do that, I want to share something about this verse here. Um, I recognize in this generation and, and certainly um, as we move progressively um, into the future that there is a sensitivity um, about always feeling judged. Is everybody with me? 
feeling like somebody's pointing their finger at us or that we're always wrong. Are you with me? And I want to share something. I think God put something in my spirit that I want to communicate about this verse right here. This verse is not a judgment. This verse is not pronouncing judgment. I'm going to say it again. This verse is not pronouncing what? This verse simply is a qualifier. It's a qualifier for what we just read before. Jesus died and paid the price, and all we need to do now is put our faith and trust in him. So anybody that finds themselves ever having done anything wrong, up to and including of stealing mommy's cookies out of the cookie jar, right? Now, see, that didn't sound very judgmental because you know what you just said in yourself? That was just a cookie, <laughs> right? You didn't feel very bad about that, did you? You said, oh, man, it was just a cookie. My mommy loved me. She'll make some more. <laughs> right? I mean, understand you are a thief. <laughs> and as a work, you have to understand it's not a judgment, it's a qualifier. Is everybody with me? Is that a good word? That'll preach by itself. All right. Now what we want to do is read 1 Peter chapter 4. Can I get you to turn there? 1 Peter chapter 4. I'm having a great time. Amen. First Peter chapter 4. You know, instead of naming us the temptations, I wanted us to be named we yield not to temptation. Are you with me? Amen. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> the yield not to temptations. First Peter chapter 4. We're going to read, everyone reading, starting at verse Eight. I must have hit the button again. Sorry about that. Starting at verse 8. Ready, set, read. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Good text. Check out verse 11. Ready, said, read. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Forever and ever what? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Right before we pray, I want to share this. Let us listen to today's message without the me filter. That's good, isn't it? How many understand that when we listen to messages or when somebody calls us or somebody sends us a, you know, a mass email, the question we look through, the filter we use is, what is this about me? Is that right? I'm asking today. Could you listen to today's message without the filter of hearing everything and how does this mean something for me? Is everybody with me? I've got a great alternative. Some of you all that are very pragmatic and A-type are listening like, that's not possible. <laughs> I got you. Instead of the what about me, listen to the message as rather see God. God is. Amen. 
As we listen to the message today, let's look at and listen to the message, not about how this applies to me, but let's look and let's just see and pierce and see God. Let's do what? See God. Let's do what? See God. All eyes closed. Father, we thank you for the incredible, infallible, powerful, magnifying word. We thank you, Lord God, that it is not me that has any power in and within myself. Father, most of the people that we listen to and most of the audience whose IQs, whose degrees far exceed that of mine. So, Father, I pray that I humble myself under the mighty hand of God, that, Lord Jesus, you take the peace of preparations and that you be present in this room and that you land upon the heart of each individual and you cause your spirit to say to us individually what we need to hear and what we need to respond to in order to be found at a much higher level when we leave. There is no one God that has the right to come in one way and not leave higher than they came. Give it now, give it now, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. God bless you, you may be seated. You may be seated. Children, you know, children are filled with splendor and wonder and discovery and enjoying life. Are you with me? How many know children, they are filled in awe. They live life to the fullest because every single thing they do is, ah, are you with me? Children are awesome. Children are incredible. It's no wonder Jesus says for us to enter into the kingdom of God to be converted or to be like a little child. Is everybody with me? Come on, not be distracted. You know we don't have much time. The Super Bowl don't come on for a long time. Come on now. <laughs> Amen. Children are full of wonder. They're all about the discovery. Are you hearing me? One of the examples I like to use is that we uh, took, uh, I'm just going to, you know, they have to write some notes to me or something to pray for me. But we took the staff um, to a retreat and to a, you know, to a, an advance, so to speak. And we took the families and we took the children, everything. We went on this wonderful retreat. And we went to this retreat. And one of the places we had set up to go was to this restaurant that has the train. And a train drives around the top of the restaurant. And it drives around and it stops at your table and then it lowers the food down to your table. Are you from Kansas or do you know this? I know what you're you know what I'm talking about? And so it lowers, listen, it, let me get this. It lowers the food down, right? Look at that. Look at that. Say, Mom, can I go there? She's a teenage senior. Mom, can we go there? Listen, the food, listen, it, it lowers it down. And then you reach over and get it. And, and listen, we took them there. And I watched, I mean, this is just fascinating to me. I was watching the children at every table. We was kind of spread out around the restaurant. And I was looking, I was waiting for their food to come, right? Food didn't even come. They was just excited. <laughs> I was in glee. Are you hearing me? I was in glee because from the time we were there, they was just like this whole time. They had their little train, you know, little train hat on it. Now get this, the staff, ministry leadership team, man, this food not going to be any good. We're not there for the food. 
We were there for the trains. We were not caring about the food. This don't taste good. <laughs> Honey, we will go get you something to eat later. Can you get into the train? It's all about the discovery. It's all about the what? Somebody say amen. amen. See, they, they noticed that they whispering to each other because they got just busted out. That's all right. Check this out. Children are fascinated and can learn in open-hearted fun in games, songs, and sports. Children learn. They're fascinated, and they can learn in fun and games and songs and sports. Like, for instance, Red Rover, Red Rover. <laughs> but the Red Rover, Red Rover is like one of my fun games. You know what? I know some of y'all, like Pastor Jeremy, he's excellent, you know, at board games. You know, give him a table, give him a board game. You can just reach in, pick any board game, put it down. He's all in, right? I like to get active. Are you with me? I like to, like to get into it. Are you, is anybody, am I preaching today with anybody, right? You say, how does this connect? Can I just get you to stay with me, please? Amen. I need the three of y'all, if y'all would. Come on now, I need the three of y'all right here, right here. Right here, right here, right here. Right here. I need y'all right here. Come on, come on right there. All right. Yeah, yeah, boy, yeah, uh-huh, see, yeah, come on, Taya, right here, right here, no, 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 I like, I like, they told me not to use guests anymore, Taya, come on, Taya, come on, no, 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 right here, right here, right here, right over here, we got you right here, right here, right here, come on up there, go ahead, no, go on up there, go ahead, right up there, go on up there, all right, all right, all right. and you know, it, listen, no, stay right there, stay. now in the octopus, they call it the octopus game too, right? And, and you lock arms, right? So you got to lock hands, 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 let's hold hands. You got to hold hands, got to hold hands. All right, we're not going to hurt anybody because you know what? You know, some of them kind of competitive, you know. <laughs> Be all up on electronics and stuff, right? This is just making sure we all understand what Red Rover, Red Rover is. Are you with me? So Red Rover, Red Rover, this is what Red Rover does, right? So if, if, if this team is over here, see, it, it's one of those games where you go, Red Rover, Red Rover. And then we, who, who we gonna call? Who we, who we gonna call? Let's call Tyann. Send Tyann on over, right? So then Tyann, she has, yeah, see, Tyann got to get, get geared up, you know what I'm saying? And, and y'all know y'all well grew up with some of those people that be kicking their shoes off and all that. Busted you out, didn't it? Bust y'all, right? Because <laughs> y'all so competitive. That's why y'all at Iowa State University. But anyway, so, so Tyann runs over. You got a whole hand. And, and she got to, and, and what Tan has to do is she has to pick who she's going to try to break. And what I want you to understand is this. So she runs over, and let's say she, go, break it, break no, You know what? Y'all can let go now. <laughs> break it. And when she breaks it, then they both have to come over to this side. Are you with me? So all of y'all are over here. You, you're over here too, Right? This is an awesome game. Because how many understand, if you look down the row and you see your team's in trouble, you get an opportunity to be on the other team, right? So when they come over and they break it, you be like, hey, you go to the other side. Because now you're on the winning team. Are you with me? And what makes this a winning team is that they strong. What makes this team winning is that they not only, so one of the things that could do, oh, you go over here. No, you got to break it so you can't do it. They got to send this person away. What's your name? Erica. Miss Erica. Red Rover, Red Rover. Oh. Red Rover, Red Rover, send Erica on over. 
Come on over. Come on over. Boom. Right. So she's not going to stop. So she breaks. Now, because she didn't break it, she has to join this team. Everybody got that? The object of the game is to get everybody on one of the sides. Are you with me? Let's thank God for them, Richard. You may be seated. Thank you. That's, a, that's, a, that's an example of a game. I would like to give you an example of a song. This is a true story. And uh, in this true story, uh, we had heard a testimony about children accepting Jesus at a particular age and uh, me kind of being the way I am, that type of thing. Y'all, y'all, wow, man. Uh, one of the things is, is that when we had Luke and I heard about people fully having a comprehension at that age to be able to accept Jesus, knowing who he is, when Luke turned that age, I started praying. Are you with me? I mean, I was praying before, but, you know, I was like, we want Luke to get saved during this year, right? And so it went the whole year. Luke was born in March. It went the whole year and wasn't even a bleep, right? You know, it just, you know, he was happy with life and Jesus, yep, that's daddy's guy, <laughs> whatever, you know. So when January came of that year, his birthday would have been two more months. I'm going to say I kind of like did like this, like, oh, well, you know, that was that was a nice goal, nice little hope, you know, nice prayer. But how many understand one night in his bedroom and certainly his mom was working with him and we were homeschooling and all that kind of stuff. But one night we're, you know, doing our routine, our bedtime routine. And I'm by his bed, and, you know, we're doing things. And somehow, for whatever reason, this song comes up. And the song was Abraham. And it was, um, Father Abraham, say it with me, has many sons. And many sons has Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Praise Do you notice how much we enjoy childhood, amen? <laughs> true story, true story, true story. I love the Lawsons, I love this story. Listen, true story. For whatever reason, Luke, this is January, his birthday's in March. He's that age that we were praying for. He turns to me and says, Father Abraham, and, and, and we're sons of him? He said, well, is that because Isaac is Abraham's son? Oh, <laughs> that boy didn't messed up. <laughs> I have gone from dad to treacher. Are you with me, right? I'm so much into this. Yeah, Luke. And Abraham had Isaac, and Isaac had Jacob. Jacob had the 12 sons of Israel where we've got Moses and then Moses you remember had down the line David and David King David is in the lineage of Jesus and Jesus is who we are a part of and the Bible says that if any man be in Christ then is he Abraham's seed which makes us sons of Abraham. He was like, wow. <laughs> All from a song. All from a what? Song. 
The next day, I'm driving for FedEx. Sister Anna calls me crying. The next day, Sister Anna calls me crying. Honey, honey. Luke accepted Jesus Christ as his personal savior. Somebody say amen. Don't get it convoluted. It was not because of the song and because I was singing and because I was teaching right. No, no, no. His mama working on him day after day. They read missions books and Narnia and all of that. So it was a conglomeration, but God. But who? Fulfilled it. Are you with me? So the issue is, Things come out of games. Things come out of songs. And somebody said amen. amen. Praise God. What I want to do is want to share with you a little bit about altar calls and some good revelation. This is worth your notes. Say altar call. Altar call. A man of God I was listening to the other day made this phenomenal statement that altar calls alter your life. Amen. That's a good word. Can I get y'all to say that? Say altar calls alter your life. When we have altar call and you respond to the altar call, I, I'm a high advocate of altar calls and have done so for a lot of years. Years and years ago, I'll tell you this one major one. I went to altar call. It was a revival service or a camp meeting or something in Des Moines. I came to the altar and was receiving prayer and things like that. And one of the reasons I came to prayer was because all of the men of God that was there totaled up to 120 years of ministry. And I wanted to be able to fortify the ministry gift of God in me that if certainly the people were laying on hands praying for me, that God would instill in me supernaturally that there would be 120 years of ministry. And I want to use them all. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so therefore, what a blessing, what a blessing that was. But I'm going to tell you, this is not just back then, it's today. When we went and delivered Luke off to ORU. I didn't care a bit about being uh, uh, signed up for classes or not. And I was a dad and they was preaching to teenagers and youth. When they did their altar call, it was powerful. I was right up there with them, just like this here. <laughs> I was like, mm-mm, I'm not going to miss this, amen, because I'm going to come to the altar. Are you hearing me? Now, of course, I knew how to serve and I knew how to be blessed at the same time. Even when I was just in Kansas City preaching at the um, you know, a couple of weeks ago when I was down there for New Year's Eve, I, uh, I, was, I went to a service before the service I was supposed to preach in. And the altar call came, and I was right there up there with it. And why did I go to the altar call? Because I want to respond to God. I want to respond to God. And the next thing you know, again, I come up to the altar expecting to serve the other people and whatever God does for me, that's wonderful. But I'm telling you, I'm standing there and I'm, I'm thinking, I saw this young man right here and I say, you know what, I see that's who I'm going to target. You know, I'm still praying for him, things like that. Start doing that, close my eyes. The evangelist that was there start praying and prophesying over me. Oh. I want to respond to God because you never know what God has for you. Somebody say amen. Here you are always at home praying and in your car and all this kind of things. But when it comes time to really respond, crickets. Amen. I want to share with you some major reasons, really good practical things about altar calls. Look at this. I personally believe and come to the altar. Altar call for your life is to respond to the acts of the Holy Spirit is to respond to the acts of the Holy Spirit. That prompting in you is, the, is, is God speaking to you in the place, in your heart, getting you to respond. Another thing is, is, is to hope in Christ for better. Why do you respond to the altar? Because you have a hope. You have a hope that this can be better. Where I am right now is not where God meant for me to be, and I have an opportunity to be in a place better than where I am. Is everybody with me? 
What do we believe in about altars? We believe that altar calls are your actions that align to your beliefs in your heart. Amen. That your beliefs want to be played out in an expressive fashion. And so what is it? It's just an action aligning itself with your heart. You believe in your heart. That's why it's called confess with your mouth. You know, it's an action. And look what the, the, the big picture says. This is like, and this is a, meant to be funny, but it says, when they do not, when you do an altar call and you try to act like you don't need to go. Are you with me? <laughs> right, that's the face you make, right? Like you're getting deep. <laughs> right? <laughs> the activities of church, community, assembly, and the congregation gathering rejoices what God is doing in your life. When you come to an altar, it's what, it's what the church gets to respond and rejoice with you and to see the things of God and what's going on in your life. And, and it celebrates and it reverberates and it creates all of the same atmosphere as heaven does. And then it also transfers us. This is what I want you to read. Everybody read. Ready, set, read. Transfers us from darkness to light, from whatever we are in, and places us in good and God's intention for you. Amen? God wants to get you to where you have been praying to get to, and the way he does it is he first gets you there spiritually. He gets you there spiritually. Amen? And God will cause it to manifest in your life. Somebody say amen. The altar call is by spiritually surrendering and submitting your soul for salvation by Jesus Christ, the Savior. And an altar call, then alter your life, is by mixing your faith to the worship and word so the wonders of God can take place in your life. And everybody said amen. amen. Praise God. This week and next week's message, you will hopefully get it by the end of today. I am not sharing at the beginning, and I know some of you have even shared with me. I like to know it first so I can know where you're going. I understand that. But the way I want to unfold today is that the title, <coughs> which, is the, which is the thesis, which is also the theme for the semester, if not for the year, and I want to share it with you because it's very, very sound theology, and it simply unfolds for us if we can grasp it. I will put it on the screen, and you'll get it right towards the end. But I want to share with you that this message was received while going to a very meaningful meeting. In other words, I think I was here at the church and I was on my way to someone's house and it was a very short drive. Let's say like an eight minute drive. And how many understand when all you've got is eight minutes before you're supposed to be there where you can't really get into all of these and thous? Right. How many know you, your prayer get real, real short? Right. And it's really focused. Are you with me? How many know when you have short period of time, all of a sudden you like praying powerful? Are you hearing me? So I had about eight minutes. And so therefore, I even stopped. You know, I'm driving up Douglas, and I've stopped. And, I, and I, before I got to 8th Street, 9th Street, I was like, you know what? I, I can't go through all the stuff I normally pray because it takes me about 10 minutes to get, really get warmed up. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> so I was like, ooh, <laughs> I'm going to be there in 10 minutes, you know? So what happened is I just centralized and focused myself and I promise you, I had no plan and intent on what happened. But God, by his spirit, I believe, took the utterances of my mouth and said this statement that you'll see at the end. He said a statement, and that statement was so clear and crystal that it wasn't just a little prayer, but it was something much larger. It was so large that it was a life directive. It was so large that it was a life directive. And how many understand if you had a life directive in your life, 
you wouldn't get distracted with little things. That was powerful. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. that was for you. It's all over your face. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> How many know that was all over you? That was all over your face. How many understand if you had a life directive, you wouldn't be answering some of the calls and spending time on extra things that you really don't have time for? Wow. Are you with me? How I many understand the things that you get branched off and distracted in? And I mean, how can you spend two to three hours on brick, bussing bricks or something? I don't know what you, I don't know what it is. I'm not condemning you, but I'm just saying, if you got three hours to bust some bricks on the phone, could you please call 515-460-1929 because I definitely got some things that we can get you to do. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Amen? Praise God. Real quickly, listen to this. Think about it. I'm about to get into something. You're going to really like this. Get in this. Listen to this. Here we go. Come on. You don't want to miss this. Think about this in reflection. This is about to really treat you. Think about this in reflection. What all did Moses ever see from God? I want you to really lean into that. Think about in reflection, what all did Moses ever see from God. This is just a short list, some bullet points, some major ones, right? You got a little uh, reflection about each of them. Check this out. Moses was raised in the Egyptian palace, considered to be probably the top tier of riches and kingdoms of the world at that time. And Moses was raised up in it, had full liberty, walked the halls, Hey, what's up, Mo? Hey, hey, hey. How you doing, Prince? Oh, you know, just went down to see them Hebrews, man, you know. You know, man, they got good stories down there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Are y'all with me? And so here he was. He walked the palaces. And what is that a revelation of? He had come in contact with some of the greatest riches of the world. The greatest what? Of this world. What else did he see? When he sees the burning bush, this is miraculous. This is powerful because the bush doesn't burn up. But what happened out of that was it gave him a burning call. Now, here's what you got to see. The bush did not burn up. It was burning, but it did not burn up. Gave us a revelation that you ought to have a call in your life. But when God is in the bush, you won't burn out. Look at whatever you're in and invested in in your life right now and what you're doing and you're just tired of it. I just wish I, I'm just tired of this. There may be an absence of God in it. Because when God was in the bush, it did not burn up. And when the bush didn't burn up, it's because it didn't burn out. And wherever God is, you won't burn out. When you've got frustration and you are quick to want to get out of it, you better look for God. Find God in it. Because if you don't find God in it, you're on your way to burn it out. Listen to this. What about the stick in his hand? Moses had a stick. He had a what? This stick was bad. 
you know what? Y'all think my little eight-pound poodle is bad, amen? <laughs> Man, I wish I would have had that stick. Somebody come up on me like this, I'll be like, sick him. <laughs> Swallowed him whole. <laughs> that was a bad stick. That stick was bad, amen? I mean, I said he dropped it down. It turned into a serpent. And then other, you know, other magicians and stuff come and say, oh, man, we know how to do that. They threw that stick down. That serpent was like this. <laughs> Moses, we ready? Let's get up out of here. <laughs> Are you with me? Why is that valuable? Look at this. The reason that's valuable is because God wants us to understanding to use what you already have. God doesn't need to give more to you of what you need to do and fulfill and accomplish in your life. It's not because of what you don't have. God says, what's that in your hand? I will make power, miracles out of what you already have. When I brought you into the earth, you had everything you needed to become exactly what I created you to be. You're looking for things in all the wrong places. Come back to the one who put it in you and you'll get it done. Look at all these things Moses seen. Who can name all the plagues that they say? I mean, frogs and locusts. I mean, I would have had Sister Anna pack up <laughs> when the blood went through the water. I would have had to get up. <laughs> and I mean, we would have had to probably pick up some people too because some people can't stand the sight of blood, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> we would have had to pick some people. Come on, sister, would you get Sister Connie and Trini and them? Because they, <laughs> they don't do so well with blood. <laughs> but but, but what, what does that show? Look at this. It shows his mighty signs and power. Are you with me? Because every one of them he also took away. God's powerful. Amen? What about the blazing fire as they're leaving Egypt? Did I talk about the Passover? Yeah, let me back that up. The death of the firstborn. That's where the Passover was created. And the blood, not of the Nile, but the blood that was slain in that calf or this blood that was slain, it becomes what we still today, knowing that Jesus is the Passover lamb. Yes, and why we talk so weird and spiritual and supernatural about apply the blood is because when they applied the blood over the doorposts and on the sides of the door, the death angel passed over. Listen to this revelation. The death angel passed over all of the children of Israel, because when the deaf angel would come, he would see that the blood was on the post. Listen, this is important. Why was that important? Because he saw that death had already taken place there. <laughs> Some of us are still fighting to live when the Bible tells us to die. The way to live is to die. And now we put our faith in Jesus Christ who died and was rose again. Is everybody with me? Amen. Turn your neighbor and say, he's getting a little deep today. That's all right. Just try to make it plain. What about the blazing fire? The blazing fire that separated the enemies, right? Here comes the Egyptians. They come up, and then the, then the, Egypt, the children of Israel were stuck between the Red Sea and their enemies. But God put up a fire and put up a blockage so they couldn't cross it. <laughs> 
kind of like putting a police clamp on their chariot tires. Are you with me? They couldn't follow anymore. They couldn't come after them. Right? It was a chariot boot. Amen. So, so here's the issue. In everything God did, he was revealing himself. Look at this. And when it comes to the Red Sea and they cross over on dry ground, God's showing us a picture of deliverance. God's showing us a picture of what? And last, look at this, the bitter waters. So now they're free. They've praised and worshiped. They started their dance team, and now they're walking out, and they got thirsty. And all of a sudden, in the midst of that, the waters were bitter. The waters were poisonous, so to speak. And all of a sudden, Moses takes that tree, puts it down into the water. And what is that a symbol of? Another tree, a tree being a cross. He took the cross. He took the symbol of a tree, put it down in the waters. Why? Because God's letting us see that everything that we were bitter about, the cross is put into those bitter waters, and he takes those bitter waters and makes them sweet. We don't have to live in bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness. The cross has been the forgiveness. And if God has forgiven us, how many understand we can forgive others? Say that with me. Because I am forgiven. I can forgive others. Can forgive others. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Listen, we'll finish the message next week, but I want to get to this, this, this section. The reason we just went through this is because I want to share something with you. In all of those things, those are the things that Moses saw. Those are things that he witnessed. Those are some of the things he went through. Moses, how many understand those were powerful and wonderful already? Is everybody with me? And then it comes to Exodus 33, and it says this. Inside the tent meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face. There's another one. As one speaks to his friend. And afterward, Moses would return to the camp. But the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. Moses sees the Lord's glory. Why? One day Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You have told me I know you by name and I look favorably on you. If it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your way so I understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Does everybody hear me? Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and your people, if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all the people of the earth. The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked me, for I look favorably on you and I know you by name. Moses responded. Then show me your glorious presence. This is the text where it says, show me, then God, show me your glory. This is where Moses says what? Show me your what? Show me your glory. Say that. Say, show me your glory. The Lord replied, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will call out my name, Yahweh, before you. For I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. But you may not look directly at my face, for no one may see me and live. The Lord continued, look, stand near me on this rock as my glorious presence passes by. 
I will hide you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and let you see me from behind. But my face, you will not, will not be seen. And everybody said amen. amen. I want you to see something very, very clear about this passage. There's lots of things that God reveals to Moses, his goodness, his mercy. He, he reveals to him uh, more of the essence about him. But I want you to catch Moses, which is the same question I think that many of us ask. And that question, I want to go back. Don't forget what everything Moses had already seen. This is very important. Moses comes to this place and asks this question. But we understand before this ever happens, Moses has had contact with all these other things in life. Don't you think this is a strange or an odd question to be asking of God when in essence he has seen so much already? I want you to think about this for just a moment. He has had contact with the riches of this world. He has seen the best of gold, the best of riches, the best of seed and crop and agriculture and architecture. He's seen the best of it. Not only has he seen the best of it, he's seen signs and miracles and wonders. He's seen a bush on fire. It does not burn up. I want everybody to understand something. Moses has a deep cry within him. And it's the same deep cry that I believe speaks to many of us that's here today and those that listen otherwise and people we circulate with in the world is that God reveals that I have power and Moses had seen his power. God, he shows him his promises, how I can take anything in your life and make it powerful, takes the stick and makes it powerful. Therefore, all of a sudden, God is revealing to Moses, I have all power, I have all strength. God shows them I can be a protector. I put fire over there, and they cannot even attack you. God shows them the Red Sea, and you're looking like I'm stuck in between a, a, a rock and a hard place. God says, don't worry about that. I don't make a way, that's religious. Oh, God made a way, no. God don't make a way. God is the way. He says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man come to the Father but by me. So therefore, he says, use what's in your hand. Some of us are always looking for God to do something when God might be looking for you to do something. Take the stick in your hand, raise it up, and the sea began to part. Well, of course it was by God's power, but it was only after he had raised the stick up. All I'm trying to get you to see, as Moses had seen miracles, he had seen signs, he had seen promises, he was now married, he now has children, and he has now delivered them because he was called to be a deliverer of the children of Israel. He was born. His name Moses means to be drawn out. So now not only was he drawn out, but now he had drew out the children of Israel from Egypt. All these promises that Moses had seen, but he still wasn't satisfied. And that's why some of us, we've got sometimes good grades. We've got wives and children, big houses, nice 401ks, been saved for many years, have seen many miracles, 
but something deep down inside of us is still hungry and still thirsty. We want to know something more. And that's what Moses wanted to do. He says, look here, I've seen your power. I've seen your might. I've seen your promises. I've seen your deliverance. But this one thing I want, show me your glory. What is he saying? I want to know what makes you, you, God. I want to know your personhood. I've seen these other things, but now I really sincerely want to know what makes you, God. I want to see your glory. I want to see what makes you almighty. I want to see why you've been loving me, why you've lavished yourself on me. When all it was genocide, you drew me out of the water. What did you see about me, God? If I can see what's about you, maybe I might see deeper about what's about me. God, show me your glory. The definition and the context of glory, it means to be heavy. I, can I get you to go to the next screen? Turn the lights down. Thank you. This is what's applicable and relevant as an inspiring truth. The deep down question, look at this, this is very important. The deep down question we all carry in some form or season of our lives. God, are you real? <laughs> now I know some of you all are way beyond that in your faith, but can I get you to be a little patient with some of the rest of us that still has that question visit us every now and then. God, are you real? You know, I've seen what you've done in my life. I've seen, Justina, that you've given me a great intelligence, God. But Lord, I still want to see your glory. Oh yeah, I've got multiple grandchildren. And they all, my children, are serving the Lord in some way. But I want to, I want to see your glory. God, are you real? Finances, you God, you've given me a gift to be a good steward of finances and and I don't spend too much, and I don't spend more than I make, and, and I got that going pretty well, but God, show me your glory. God, are you real? Or is this all just made up? Is this all just religion of some sort? God, I want to see if you are real. And the reason I want to debate this is because of this. Surely, I mean surely, if God is real, then we would be doing more for him. If God is real, surely we would be laying down our lives for him. If God is real, we would speak to the teller at the gas mart about this loving God who loved me when I was, thought I was unlovable. And I've come to the place that I've been so filled by the Holy Spirit, poured liquid love in me. And sister, it looks like you could have some love right now. If God is real, surely when God caused you to get out of your depression, 
you would be looking for other people who are downcast, downtrodden, because what you want to do is get your hands on them, and you believe that that transference would break the yoke of that spirit, not because of you, but because of him being greater than anything you've been in before. If you used to be a pornography, if you used to be a whoremonger, if you used to be able to drink or smoke or you didn't know God, soon as you come into knowing about God, if God is real and you've seen his glory, nothing on earth would stop you from telling the whole world that my God lives. He got up out of a grave and he saved me. I now am loved insatiably because of his great love for me. God revealed to Moses what is behind him in glory. I want to jump to the end of the message. The scripture says in 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 9, I mean 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9, that we are a royal priesthood a chosen generation. The Bible says that we have now gone from darkness into a marvelous light. Did everybody hear me? Did you know what it says right before? It says, for we have been called. We have been what? Called. Everybody say it out loud. We have been what? Called. We've been called from what? Darkness and now placed into a marvelous what? Can I get you to do that, Jeff, or whoever's on the lights, please? The stage, middle one's off. And let's turn those off over there. Thank you. The church of Jesus Christ is locked hand in hand. And we're in the light. Because that word glory means radiant, brilliant light. Glory means radiant, brilliant light. And we're in the light. And we're linked together. And we're strong in the Lord. And over in darkness are people's lives. And the scripture says... We've been called out of darkness into the marvelous light. Red Rover, Red Rover, send her on over. Red Rover, Red Rover, send him on over. What about Johnny? What about Jimmy? What about Maggie? What about Morgan? What about Anna? What about Jeff? What about Susan? They need somebody to call them Red Rover. Red Rover, come on over.